All of a sudden, a veiled figure appeared in the sky. I just dropped to the ground in instant recognition. I literally could not stand up. I was on my knees and she turned around and, and she took my hands in her hands. Her garment was like a, a pastel blue, pink color, but it was amazing. It was alive. The fabric, it was alive. It, it, it was like it was living. It moved like liquid mercury. It was like it was breathing. It was just magical. It was made of God's light. Welcome to the Spirit Sisters podcast. My name is Karina Machado and I'm the author of Spirit Sisters, Women's True Stories of the Paranormal. In this podcast, I'll revisit the women behind my most unforgettable stories and unearth new tales to chill, intrigue, astound and offer hope. You'll hear first-hand accounts of ghostly visitors, near-death experiences, premonitions, hauntings and love more powerful than death. Whatever you believe about the afterlife, I invite you to open your minds and hearts as ordinary women reveal their extraordinary encounters. You're listening to Spirit Sisters, the podcast. I'm your host, Karina Machado, and I'm so happy you've joined us. Let's get straight into it because I know a lot of you have been waiting for this. Here is part two of my interview with Perth-based poet and artist Linda Cull, who last week told us about the amazing series of spiritually transformative experiences that she began having at age 16, including an astonishing encounter with an immensely loving divine light. If you haven't yet listened to part one, I encourage you to scroll down and tune into that one first so that you can grasp her whole story. In this episode, Linda tells us about her return to the light and how her creativity flourished in the wake of that. She also talks about the challenges that she experienced sharing her story and the quote-unquote earth-shattering revelation that followed. Towards the end of our conversation, Linda also shares about an astounding mystical vision of Mother Mary. There's so much here. Quick note before we start, if you want to see some of the inspired art that Linda created following her encounters with the light, head over to my Karina Machado author Facebook page and also on Instagram. The links will be in the show notes. I'll be posting some of Linda's gorgeous artworks on those socials, including the first one that she ever created, which you'll hear her talk about in this episode. Enjoy the show. Now, after the meeting with the light, I guess, as well, like going back to that initial experience, and now having had this one, you began to find it difficult to express this ineffable, these ineffable experiences that you'd had. So eventually mm -hmm. you stopped trying because it's very hard to communicate what we don't have the words for in our language. Mm -hmm. But this impacted your health in a negative way. You began to get migraines. Mm -hmm. So what I was wondering when I read that about what this revealed to you about the relationship between our self-expression and our physical health. Oh, I think there's a big connection. I think if you don't um, allow energy and especially spiritual energy movement, it gets blocked up in you and it starts affecting you in a, in a negative way. Um, it wasn't just that I found it hard to put into words the experiences, but I actually met with people's scepticism. It's funny, when you have these experiences at first, you're actually looking for affirmation from others. Um, you're looking for somebody to say to you, that's amazing. I really believe that happened to you. I don't know why, but that's what I was going through at that time. And I wasn't getting that. Um, when I would explain what happened, people just didn't get it. Of course they didn't get it because they hadn't experienced it. How could I expect them to get it? And, you know, that was just part of my process as well, learning eventually to accept it for myself without looking for, you know, other people's approval. But, yeah, the migraines, my goodness, at 25, interestingly, I had gone into full-time work, which had nothing to do with creativity, had gone nothing, had nothing to do with spirituality, and I think that was part of it as well. I was, I was not doing what I, what I think I was here to do, and so the headaches were telling me that. <laughs> it was like, 
you need to make some changes in your life. And that's often what happens with our health. You know, mm-hmm. if, if um, sometimes our poor health is a teacher, it's not always a negative. For instance, like my scoliosis, I really believe that is a teacher and it's actually a blessing. Um, but things, you know, sometimes illness comes along and, it, and it's telling you to wake up. It's telling you to make changes in your life. And, um, yeah, the migraines, definitely that. They were really, really bad for years. And funnily enough, now that I have, you know, I feel like I've delivered my two books with a lot of the gifts that I've received from the light and I've put out a lot of my art, which is also from the light, my headaches are hardly ever around. Yeah, it's taken years to get there, but it's like in delivering, in delivering my truth and my gifts, my health has improved in the migraine sense. Yeah, that's very insightful. Now, the Claire, the third Claire, who you recognise mm-hmm. as your master teacher, she helps you with this process of coming to terms with having to express your gifts, Linda. And at around this time, you also received a message from a spiritual being that you'd be assisted in your work. And this led to you painting your first piece called Heaven on Earth. And that was the, proved to be the first of many spiritually inspired artworks. Mm-hmm. Tell us about this spontaneous inspired creativity that came as a, as a gift from the light and the great spiritual being who told you, we're going to help you. Yes. Well, the great spiritual being that came through, actually came through my um, the second Claire and not the last Claire, oh, not okay. the one that took me through the review, but the second one, she was a trance medium and I was actually quite sceptical of her abilities. Um, I ended up having a one-on-one with her and she went into trance and my God, this incredible power came through her. There was no denying it. I went into that whole state again where I experienced that magnetism and the pulling and the power coming into my heart. This was during the day. I wasn't sleeping. I was, I was actually in it, <laughs> wide awake. And again, I had the whole experience of the tears pouring out of my eyes. I was actually completely rooted to the seat. I couldn't get up. The power in the room was just so extraordinary so extreme, so loving. It was just out of this world and otherworldly. And when this kind of um, energy goes into you, your breathing becomes so incredibly deep and long. You cannot, you cannot actually, you cannot do that without this power entering you. So anyway, that's where this spiritual presence spoke through her and told me that they would come um, to help me through my work. And then from there, I started painting a lot. And I started painting um, in a kind of automated way. And that is what inspired spontaneous creativity is about. And if I could just explain my first experience of it, because then people will understand um, what the process is like. I love that. Yes, please. So I was always... um, I was always artistic and at the end of high school I thought am I going to go and do art or not at uni and I chose not to but it was always in the back of my head that I'd like to get back into my art one day and after uni I had bought some paints and I kind of put them in a drawer and I forgot about them and around that time I was writing a lot of poetry which become became the book that I just published Anyway, one day I'd gone to the cinema and I came home. It was a Saturday afternoon and I walked in the house and all of a sudden from nowhere, I just had this extreme urge, overwhelming urge to paint. And I hadn't thought about it for, you know, for weeks, months, whatever. But all of a sudden I just had to paint right then and there. (laughs) So then I thought, God, I just so want to paint. I had to go and look for the paints. I didn't know where I'd put them. So after some searching, I found them tucked away in a bottom drawer and I got everything out. Again, I was living in my sister's house and she wasn't there. And I sprawled out in the kitchen and dining room area and I had my paints out and my canvas out and I was looking at this blank blank canvas. had no idea what I was going to paint at all. I had no idea. Put some paint out on a um, wax paper and all of a sudden, I noticed a light on the canvas. So I thought, I'll just put some paint there. So I put the paint there. 
and then I kind of saw another light on the canvas so I put another bit of paint there and it kind of went like that where I kept seeing these lights it was like a dot to dot thing and I just followed it and at the same time I could kind of hear guidance I could hear what colors I should choose and how much I should put my paintbrush so it was a whole seeing feeling but also hearing guidance as I was painting and about an hour later I finished the piece it was only a small piece and you know it wasn't it wasn't like a Rembrandt or anything (laughs) but um, at at the end I was told to stop that it had finished the session and to turn it around the other way so I've been painting upside down not knowing and I turned it around and there was something very meaningful there and there was kind of like a symbol of a man a man in the middle and he had his arms stretched out like this, a bit of a Jesus figure. And through his head, all these colours were coming through him, through his head, into his body. And from his outstretched arms, all those colours were becoming leaves. And what it was communicating to me is the spiritual energy comes into us and it manifests on earth. Yeah? So the inspiration of God, you can call it whatever you want, creativity, love whatever it is comes into us and then we manifest with it on earth so i was also told the title which is heaven on earth and i could this painting was telling me that we we create heaven on earth through inspiration through the light that comes through us from god and also through creativity so this was my first experience of it and i knew something really different had happened because i'd never painted like this before and this went on for 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> Love how you and, Yeah, I went on for 10 years and I got more and more trusting of it. And that was the process really through the whole thing. I always felt like I was being guided. I've always felt like I was being inspired by spirit. And I just learned so much through the process. It was like truth was shown to me through the art. I was shown, you know, the spiritual world through the art. And I also felt like I was um, creating art that I'd actually lived. So in my out-of-body experiences, I felt like I was bringing it through the art. Mm. And it pretty much stayed with me. I kind of thought of it as my profession for a while until my first child was born. And then I kind of got distracted by, by motherhood and all those things. But yeah, it became a very, very big part. And it was very healing. I think it was a way of dealing with all that energy that I'd gotten from the light as well. So how did I deal with not being able to talk about my experiences? Mm. It was by painting and painting was my therapy and so was poetry and writing. It was really, um, it was really, really, really good for me. Mm. And it's astounding that that first canvas you actually painted upside down. That shows the rational brain was not involved in that. Like that is right. I often did that. Did you? Yeah. 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 yeah, amazing stuff. And, and especially in the earlier pieces, I would um, paint all kinds of symbols underneath the top layers that would just come to me. I'd just be doing these symbols and a lot of beings would come through, even like extraterrestrial, I can never say that word, extraterrestrial beings, which kind of was challenging to me because it didn't fit into my kind of concept of, of things. So that was something else. You don't always experience God or angels or light beings in the way that you might think yeah. that they should look like or whatever. So all of it was a bit of an education, really. Yeah, and your interdimensional travels are so prolific and so, I mean, so open that it doesn't, it doesn't surprise me that you would encounter those beings perhaps in your travels and it's all that manifestation that, you know, we create. Like they're all creations, absolutely yeah so everything's creation correct yeah there we go there's a big truth so okay so you painted for about it i love that we'll tweet that one won't we linda (laughs) so you painted for about a decade and as you said then there was a period in your life during early motherhood where sort of in a sense that spiritual side kind of fell away and i'm not surprised to hear that because that Mm -hmm. phase of early motherhood is so all-encompassing and it's very physical too like you're dealing with yeah. physical little beings that need yeah. caring feel for right. and you had some doubts during this time whether mm-hmm. that was actually the truth of your path how did you get through this phase 
Wow. When I was, can I say, when I was um, about 34, my firstborn, Oliver, he was about two and a half. We used to go to the library every third week. And um, this was such an important moment in my life. That's why I'd like to talk about it. Yeah. And he would love going up there, look at books and jump on the beanbag, swivel on the chairs. And I walked past a shelf and saw a book. They had the heading transformed by the light and it really got my attention and I picked it up and I thought well I've been transformed by the light what's this thing got you know what do they say in this book well I opened it up and it was talking about the near-death experience and it listed all the features of the near-death experience and I just thought I've had every single one of those experiences but I've never been close to death I might have wanted to die, but I've never been physically close to death. Anyway, this really impacted me and I went back and I got more books out on near death. I didn't realise until then ever that the near death experience actually was really relevant to what I was going through. And in America and even in parts of Europe, there are scientists and, and, and doctors over there and researchers who really take this all very seriously and it's a very big field of study and we've got some very serious bright minds exploring consciousness back then in Australia there wasn't much happening and so I then had this idea that I would contact a local university and find out if anything like that any kind of research was being conducted into consciousness when i called i spoke to a professor of psychiatry and he was interested in speaking with me well i was elated you know i actually felt at this stage like everything was coming together in a way i felt really uplifted and i thought you know what this really just brings it all together for me after all these years of trying to understand everything it brings it together for me. And not only that, I've got a term that I can use when I explain to people, this is what I've been going through. I've been going through a near-death experience, or at least the phenomenon. I might not have been near-death, but I've had those experiences. It just made it so much easier. And so I actually met with this professor. And in meeting, before I met with him, I actually wrote all my experiences out in detail. And it was one of the best things I ever did in my entire life. If anyone is going through any kind of spiritual experience, please write it down. It so helps the process. It actually got it all out of my head and it stopped that continuous, you know, you keep regurgitating it over in your mind. You're trying to make sense of it. And so anyway, I went and met with him and (laughs) it was a real turning point in my life. I didn't really understand that my experience with him would be negative, but it led to something very positive. So I met with him and he was a strange little man. Um, He let me in. I had to go through this. He really was. He was an oddball, but I was an oddball too. But he was a strange little man and I was this tall thing and I just towered over him and he let me in through this security system. It was all high security. And we walked down this really long corridor to his office. It was so long, this corridor. And he did not say anything to me, nothing, not a smile, not anything. I felt really awkward and I was being really friendly and just nothing. (laughs) And I just thought, how on earth does anyone get a healing from this man? I mean, seriously, he was enough to make me feel depressed, you know. Anyway... (laughs) get in his office and his office is actually quite nice it's like really light and airy but it was just packed full of books and journals just so many and I just knew he'd read them all anyway I sat down and he was very conservative and he asked me about my first experience OBE I'd ever had we spent the next hour just talking about that experience that I had when I was 16 you know, which was really quite small compared to everything else I've ever experienced. We didn't get to any of that whole hour on that first one. And (laughs) it was really torturous. And um, when we started, he says to me, I'm a a specialist in in schizophrenia. And I'm thinking, oh, okay, (laughs) what's that got to do with me? 
by the end of it, I was saying to him quite directly, do you think I have schizophrenia? Because he just did not believe anything I was saying, basically. And he said, no, no. But he was totally discounting my experience. And I just knew I wasn't getting getting anywhere. So anyway, I left. And anyway, a few months later, I started feeling unsettled in a way that I'd never, I haven't felt in a very long time. And I couldn't really understand why at first. And then when I really looked at it more deeply, he had planted a seed, the seed of doubt in my head about my experiences. Because up to that point, I, though I was looking for validation, I, I completely believed in my experiences that they were real. And he planted this seed of doubt in my head. And then I started feeling flat and I was pregnant with our second son. And I thought I'd better get on top of this because I don't want this becoming a big issue in my pregnancy and in my motherhood. So I went to the GP, said a few words about spirit beings and all the rest and wrote out a <laughs> an appointment with the local psychiatrist for me. She was actually very caring. Everyone, everyone comes from a point of caring. That's the thing you've got to always remember. They're coming from their, their understanding. So anyway, I just thought, you know what? If nothing else, it'll be interesting, won't it? So it's something I haven't explored. I'll go and do it. So I go and I meet this psychiatrist. He was a lovely man in his midlife and he was a big fan of the professors. <laughs> he loved him. <laughs> and um, we spent... The first hour going through all the experiences I've ever had, and you could just see this guy, he's like just wanting to fall off the chair. He was like, oh, my God, you're an absolute loony. (laughs) Anyway, I left there and I thought, geez, maybe I am. Maybe I am bonkers, you know. And I really felt quite hopeless. I rang up my sister. I said, Mary, do you think I'm crazy? And she goes, how do you mean? And I said, you know, like with all my spiritual experiences, do you think I'm just completely bonkers? She said, no. She goes, you're irritating, but you're not bonkers. And I thought, okay, then I know I'm irritating sometimes. It's fine. I can live with that. But she's like, no, you're not. They're just your spiritual experiences. And it's funny, you know, I really needed to hear that from somebody then. And she really delivered it to me. So I went back for my second appointment. And the first thing I said to the psychiatrist was, do you believe in God? And oh, no, I didn't say, do you believe in God? I said, can you, can you disprove God's existence to me? And he said, no, but can you prove God's existence to me? And I said, well, no, you can only know God through your own experience. And that was such an earth shattering revelation for me. I don't know. I just, I just felt in that moment, well, you know what? All I can rely on and what all anyone can ever rely on is their own experience. And um, I just, I just, everything came together in that moment. I just gained this incredible um, self-belief, this belief in my spirituality, a belief in what had, you know, happened in my life with my experiences and it just brought it all together. I left there feeling so empowered and I never, ever questioned my sanity again. And I didn't return to the psychiatrist. That is what happened there. So from a situation that really was very unsettling at the beginning, it actually it liberated me, spiritually speaking. It was where I feel my, um, my experiences were integrated yeah, you spend years trying to work it out, but then it, it integrated. It actually came together. That's so interesting because it, it happened at a moment where really it could have gone the other way. Yeah. Know? So, Linda, you mentioned that this experience with psychiatrist was a moment of integration for you. Tell us about how else you've expressed creatively so that you're able to integrate this experience of the light. Well, I think um, creativity really is at the heart of integrating spiritual experiences. And there are just so many ways to be creative. For me, it was through the art and also through writing poetry. I felt that I just had to write poems. Um, I had to get this. It's, it wasn't even a conscious 
thought is just one day I was actually having to study and instead I grabbed a pen and a piece of paper and started writing down my feelings of God and, and experiences I was having. Not just that, but some of the challenges I was having. I think it's important to recognise that often our empowerment comes out of our challenges. And my book, When Eve Walked, is actually divided into into three parts and the first part is called hidden and it's actually about that part of us that is hidden from our own power and also it's often the time when we are suffering we're in pain we are depressed whatever it is but often it's hard to see at the time when we're feeling it but these times this is where the seed this is the seed stage of our transformation. It's necessary. If we didn't have that, we wouldn't question. We wouldn't want to find out. We wouldn't want to understand. We wouldn't want to know more about ourselves, about what truth is, about God, the universe, whatever. So, you know, we need those darker times to, to, to grow from. Mm. Um, so the poetry talks about the, dark, the darker times, but also the times that were more empowering as well. Mm, I love what you just said because, yeah, I mean, it's hidden just like a seed is is buried in the dark soil, but it needs to be there in order to, yes. to grow. Yeah, that's beautiful. I was wondering, Linda, if you could choose a poem that perhaps Ooh. reflects part of our conversation or, or, or the essence of our conversation today and read it out for us. I'd love to. I'll choose Augusta, which mm. is a page 142. By the direction of a friend, I found a beginning and an end. There I stood with the sky, ocean and earth, not knowing if I was upright, upside down or lying on my back. Certainly no in-betweens, even I was something, not someone. And with the breeze, I felt my heart beat. In the sun, I saw the moon. One, one place, one life. Just one and nothing more, nothing less. I was neither master nor servant. And people speak of heaven like it is a dream. But I know I have not been dreaming this time. I have found a heaven on this earth. There is no divide. Heaven and earth be the same. So too night and day. I have journeyed this life in search of self, in search of truth. Only to find I am joined to you. The world rests inside of me. Life and death are one. No we, no they, no that. And so I squat on the balls of my feet with orange in the sky reflecting in my eyes. But I have come to see orange turn to blue. The ocean is the sea. I am all of these. They are something of me. I know time stands still in myself. Oh, that's beautiful. Thank you so much for reading that. Gosh, there, there are so many lovely nuggets in that thank you that's <laughs> beautiful and it's perfect for our conversation so the poems are divided into three sections the first one as you mentioned hidden the second section called rising and then mm -hmm. the third called risen in that sense you've kind of you're, you're kind of telling the story of the divine feminine which has been hidden for so long but seems to be arising now this the womanly sense of spirituality that patriarchy has has repressed for millennia yes i was wondering just in that vein what you can say about 2020 and this feeling of the arising once again of this divine feminine that's been repressed for so long and that's personal and collective yes well that's really big it is i think with any rising there's pain yeah so i've had pain on a personal level so has everybody and collectively we have, but we grow through our pain. It's, it, it is a human thing that we learn the quickest through our pain. It's necessary. However, we also can become empowered from it. It's so interesting seeing all the structures around that are being um, broken, whether it's government, whether it's church, whether it's police in America, we see what's happening over there. And also a shift of focus from greed 
making money and now attention is going on pe onto people's well-being and caring for each other and looking after each other and there's a real big focus on community and local and all this kind of stuff with COVID. So I just think we're going through a huge revolution really. There's been such, there's just everything and it's been going on for years really, but this year it's like a quickening. I see 2020 as a quickening. Mm. Um, things are happening at such a rapid speed, but in that there's a great opportunity. We have got this great opportunity to change and we have to change. We have to change our way of being and we need to bring more of the feminine aspect in the, um, creative the spiritual the loving the nurturing the caring yeah all those things what good is it to have all the money in the world if people are sick if people are not able to have the opportunities that some people have you know there needs to be more equality and all those things but anyway definitely there's a big shift and woman is saying you know there's an uprising women even say with the me too movement enough is enough yeah. you know enough is enough things have to change i think often things happen on a big scale first in america and then it trickles down you know through the world um, america is our amplifier but definitely there's big changes and i still think there's big changes to come yeah and the thing is if we don't change consciously willingly we will be kicked up the bum <laughs> you know by the divine mother that's how i see it it's like a, a mother here on earth so, you know she loves her children but she will do what she has to do to get that child to behave properly and also to do things that will benefit that child in the long run and that's how what i kind of see the the divine mother energy as it's loving but also she's here for you know sorting people out it's time for change, people. If you're not going to do it, I'm going to I'm going to make you do it. <laughs> you know I love that she's yeah, yeah she's ready to to discipline us really. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And enough is enough. I mean, um, at another level, you know, the planet is mother energy. You know, the planet is creation. Planet is is growing. It's always growing. It's always creating. And if we're going to abuse that then that energy is going to come and, um, and discipline us. Mm. You know, we are not more powerful than the, create, the energy of the earth. the earth. The earth is very understanding and very compassionate to a, certain, to a certain point. And then it will start telling us that we need to become responsible, that we need to make better choices. We need to make higher choices. We need mm. to be responsible to each other and to the planet. So I kind of see that that's happening. But it's such, it's such a big subject. There's so many levels to it, isn't there? And it depends where you are in the world as well and what opportunities you have. If we're in Australia or if you're in a country where you do have freedoms, I really think it's very important that you step up because there are people elsewhere who would like to have the freedoms that we have, but they haven't got the right to speak or they haven't got the right to act. You know, the change has to happen with people who um, have got the freedom to make, you know, higher choices. So given that we are discussing the divine feminine and its significance mm. for our world and, and the times that we're in, I, I thought it, I'd ask you about your experience with, and you call her the blessed mother in this yes. experience, and your sense of her as an embodiment of the sacred feminine, the, the, the very power of creation that you mentioned earlier. Yes. Well... I must say that my experience with the Blessed Mother was really unexpected and my experience of her was nothing what I imagined it would be if I, if I was to meet her. I've spent years thinking about it. Um, I think I'm still processing it. Mm. And I'll tell, I'll first explain what happened and, and why it was so powerful. So again, it was an out-of-body experience and I was in a heavenly realm and I was completely awake and aware. And I was looking out um, to the east. I was looking at the sky. And as I was, it was a beautiful sky. It was like a light, light blue, like a morning, morning blue. And all of a sudden, a veiled figure appeared in the sky. And the figure was larger than life. It was very big. As soon as I saw the veiled figure and I saw it from behind 
I just dropped to the ground in instant recognition. As soon as I had the recognition of, of this veiled figure, which I, which I knew was the Blessed Mother, as soon as I had that recognition, I could not stand up. I literally could not stand up. I was on my knees and she turned around and faced me and then she came down to a life-size stature and she took my hands in her hands and she was very close to me. Her face was right in front of me. I've got to tell you about her garment first. Her garment was like a, a pastel blue pink colour, but it was amazing. It was alive. The fabric or whatever you want to call it, it was alive. It, it, it was like it was living. It moved like liquid mercury. It was like it was breathing. It was just magical. It was, um, it was made of God's light. So she's holding my hands and um, looking right into my eyes. She had dark features. All her hairline was dark. She had dark hair, dark eyebrows, dark eyes. She was very serious, but all I felt from her was love and acceptance. All she said to me, and she said it to me telepathically, was that she was here to offer, offer me spiritual strength. And I felt the most enormous power going from her hands into my hands, but also from her eyes into my eyes, went to me. Just this power was just like going through me from her hands and her eyes. And I felt the most extreme power of creation and sexuality. Now that so surprised me in the moment because it is not what I was raised to believe. I was believed, raised to believe she was this virginal thing. I can tell you there was nothing virginal about her. She was the embodiment of creation. She was the embodiment of sexuality, but there was nothing perverse about the sexuality. It was power. It was empowering. It was about life. It was life giving. It was life force. And she was more than say Mary or Miriam, the mother of Jesus she really was divine mother. She was, she was supernatural. I just, well, I went to heaven from there. So I became her, I became God. And I went to that whole Godhead experience that I had before with my light experiences. It was just so powerful. I came out of that experience and I was really like, just amazed by it. I, it really took me a while to unpack it and to try and understand it because you see, it wasn't what we're raised to believers as women, is it? That the, the female A to start with is God and that's what she was. She was God. Secondly, that she was the actual power of creation and, and she was sexuality. I mean, that's amazing. And I actually had that experience when I was six months pregnant with my, which one am I up to my first child? Because I had another experience with my other child. So I felt really blessed by it. So I think the thing to really take from it for me anyway was that God or the power of God is as much feminine as it is masculine. I think God is an expression of both. And that's something that's changing in our world as we see the feminine rising right now. And that's why the structures around us are going through what they are, the institutions. Yeah. It's a balance, isn't it? It's a balance. It is. In, it is. in a lot of the New Testament, there's imagery and also in, in the Psalms, also in the Song of Songs in the Old Testament, there's a lot of quite sensual imagery in the New Testament, Jesus talks about the, the bridegroom and the bride quite a bit. And we could look at that as that kind of merging again mm. of, the, of those two sides, the feminine and the masculine, and how both are required to have that force of creation. And the other thing that strikes me is in, is in the Song of Songs, in the Old Testament, there's this beautiful imagery about fertility and sensuality, and it, mm. it, it's very beautiful. And also, of course, in many other traditions, 
uh, I know that in the Sanskrit, uh, there's some beautiful poetry and imagery about the marriage between the bride and the bridegroom as well. And so it is reflecting what you've just spoken about. And it, it's very yes. ancient knowledge that we seem to have repressed. And I've spoken about this before, but when I saw the 2018 film, Mary Magdalene, it very much seemed to bring to life that idea that we've forgotten something very beautiful and old. Yes. And isn't it amazing, even as a woman, I found, found it startling that spiritually, a, a spiritual woman could be so powerful. I mean, it just goes to show how much we've been, we've been kind of indoctrinated and how much, as women, we've been taught to not believe in our own power, you know, and how much that needs to change that we need to reclaim our own power. And I think that's happening actually in a big way. And I think that's why we're seeing what we're seeing right now in the world, actually. That's really, can I just say about the Mary, um, the Blessed Mother, because this is important as well. I think it was about eight years before I actually had that experience. I actually went to Croatia and I went to Medjugorje, which is where I think in 1981, six Catholic children saw the Blessed Mother. They had a vision of her. And my, I went there with my parents and my mum's youngest sister. And my dad and I were just, we were joking because there was just so much tacky, you know, um, selling of trinkets and, and, you know, all that kind of stuff when we were joking about that. And, of course, we didn't see anything, we didn't see anything spectacular or magical there at the site. But when I was at the site, I actually said a prayer and I said a prayer and I asked the Blessed Mother to please show herself to me that I would love to see her. And then I just kind of forgot about it. But I really believe that that part of me seeing, encountering her actually came from that prayer. I really believe prayer is powerful. Can I please talk about the power of prayer? I just think, well, I just know so deeply that prayers are heard and answered in heaven. Heaven hears us. We might not get things immediately or whatever, but we get it in the way that we need it to grow spiritually. That example of praying to the Blessed Mother and then she appeared to me, it took eight years for her to appear to me, but she appeared to me. And I did say a very heartfelt prayer saying I would like to meet her. Even when I was a teenager and I used to cry a lot to myself in my bedroom and I used to pray to God and I would ask God to reveal itself to me. I wanted to understand God better. I wanted to know myself better. I said so many prayers. I mean, such heartfelt prayers and it was answered. I really believe that that power of prayer is being lost. And I think it's something that we need to um, regain. You know, a lot of us as children prayed and then by the time we got to teenage years or whatever, adulthood, we don't do it anymore. But I think it's, uh, it's very important. It's very therapeutic and it's just a way of keeping the energy in motion and also letting out things that we're holding in our hearts. Very yes. important movement of energy. Yes, I That's so relate all. to that. Yeah. And it's also maintaining that connection to the divine connection. part of ourselves absolutely so crucial and and that's a theme in your work that i i very much resonate with and that is the healing power of connecting to the divine and your whole story is a testament to that and in your book you describe the experience as or the experiences that you've had as a and this is your quote a healing journey from depression and intergenerational grief to contentment and well-being and I just wondered if you'd talk a little bit about how we can be transformed for the better through nurturing our connection to the divine and how you maintain that connection, Linda. Yes. Well, for me and I think for other people, it really is about creativity. Being creative in some way is a connection to that deeper part of ourselves. When we're being creative, we're actually spending time with ourselves and we're being quiet and we're listening, it gives us that opportunity. And I think the real blessing of 2020 for many of us is that it's slowed us down. We've had to slow down. And the truth is you won't hear spirit, you won't hear your spirit, and you won't even hear the spirit of other people unless you slow down. You need to slow down, you need to pause and notice what's around you. You know, everything around us is 
God communicating to us. That's the truth. Mm. Um, and for us to notice that, to notice the signs and the symbols and the messages that are constantly coming to us from, from heaven or from our greater soul, you need to slow down and actually pay attention. Yes. <laughs> you know, it's all around us. It's in the, it's in the, in the garden. It's, it's in the friend that comes to visit. It's in the person that actually pushes our buttons. You know, um, everyone and everything is actually a reflection of what's happening inside you. Something I learned from Claire number three is everything and everyone is either about where you are now, where you have been, or where you're going. So everything is relevant to you. And um, if something's not feeling right, you've got to actually, rather than blaming the other person, you've got to look at yourself. What is, what is it in, in me that's actually allowing this person in my life? Or what is it that, I'm, that I, conti- I continuously keep attracting into my life? It's a different person, but it's the same situation, et cetera, et cetera. It's, it's about learning about your patterns and stuff like that. So you can, only, you can only grow an awareness for that if you slow down and you pause. And creativity is one of the best ways to do that. And there's just so many ways to be creative. You can be creative in the garden, you can paint, you can make music, you can cook, whatever it is. But it's that time when you're spending time with you and your, well, your higher self, really, so you can hear yourself. So yeah. I think creativity is the answer. And you have left us with a couple of very beautiful books <laughs> that express your creativity. We've got When Eve Walked, the Poetry Collection, and also your beautiful memoir from a few years ago. Please tell the listeners where they can get in touch with you, Linda, and purchase your books. Please come and visit my online home. It's at lindacull.com. That's Linda with an I and Cull is C-U-L-L. Um, I would love for you to come through and send me an email, say hello, even join me on the socials on, on Facebook and Instagram. Um, that's probably the best bit. And then I've got two um, book pages there so people can find out more information about each of those books. Fantastic. And we'll have those links in the show notes. And your books... Well, your memoir contains and so many beautiful experiences that we haven't had time to delve into today, even though this will probably be a double episode. But is, is there anything, Linda, that is important and that you'd like to leave the listeners with that perhaps we haven't covered yet? Well, I'd actually like to talk to the listeners about leaving the body because we're all going to do it at some point. So I think it's actually helpful to know what it's like when you actually do transition and when you leave your body because knowing takes away some of the fear. So I've had many out-of-body experiences. I'd say I can remember maybe about 30 of them. And they're all different, but there's some similar features. So when, when you first start leaving the body, when you first start separating, so your light body separates from your physical body, you will probably hear a very, very loud sound. And it's very startling, this sound. It's like the feedback that you get from an amplifier. It's monstrously loud. And the first few times I would hear it, it used to really shock me and send me into a bit of a panic. But I learned how to recognise it and, and deal with it. So the first thing is this very, very, very loud sound. Once your light body actually separates from your physical body, that sound stops. And that's, you know, then that you're separated. And there's, there's two ways that you can go from there. You can actually move automatically. And I think, you know, you kind of go into autopilot with your greater soul and your greater soul directs your journey. Or if you want to, you can go into manual gear and you can actually control your your journey or your experience. And how you do that is by focusing your thought. So you really need to have a very strong focus on what you want to do. So, for instance, if you want to move through a wall or you want to move through a window or you want to travel somewhere or go visit somebody, all you need to do is really hold on to the thought very strongly and it happens. When you move, you'll hear a sound like a, like a wind sound, a swishing sound. That's perfectly, you know, normal. And every time I have left my body, I've always had a guide there with me. 
I didn't always know who this God was. I, in time, I gave it my own name. I called it Malachi. But I never felt alone. So you also will have somebody there with you, um, whether it's your higher self, however you want to interpret it. But you are not alone. And the last thing I'll say is that if you want to then, if you're just having an out-of-body experience, if you want to get back into your body, all you need to do is actually think of your body and you will then arrive back in it. So you're always in control of the experience. The light body is just amazing. I've had experiences with it um, where I have travelled along a hallway and as my light body moves along that hallway, because it's night time, all the walls light up as I move. I've had experiences where um, travelling at, at such a speed in my light body that like these avenues of light streak next to me. It's extraordinary. We are made of light. We are light bodies. That's it, really. That's what I want to share with people. We are made of light. That is a very we are made of light. Very beautiful way to end our fascinating conversation today, Linda. <laughs> I'm so, so thrilled to have had you on the show today. I know the listeners are just going to get so much out of these episodes. And thank you, thank you, thank you for coming on Spirit Sisters today. Thank you, Karina. I've had a wonderful time. And thank you for all the wonderful work you're doing in the world. You're helping so many people. Oh, that's so lovely to hear. I really appreciate yeah. it. Thank you so much, Linda. <laughs> Bye. Thank you for listening to Spirit Sisters, the podcast, based on my best-selling book of the same name. I really hope you enjoyed this episode and will join me again next time for another intriguing conversation exploring mysteries and marvels. In the meantime, please subscribe so that you won't miss an episode. I also welcome your feedback, so please message me through my website, karinamachado.com, or find me on Facebook at Karina Machado Author. Perhaps you have your own encounter to share. If so, I'd love to hear it. After all, there's nothing more powerful than a story. Thank you.